Okay, people, it is time for part two of this week's Echo Chamber. And um, yeah, this it would have come out last week, but we were just trying to line up the interview. So um, yeah, we are looking at the new um like mountain climbing mountaineering film from Julian Summit is real And then we Okay, people, so we will start off with a look at the new film, Summit Fever. Okay, people, so listen, when Signature hit me up about the new film, Summit Fever, I was, um, I was very intrigued, right? Because literally about, I don't know, seven minute walk away from my place is one of the largest indoor rock climbing walls in London, which is great, right? The reach. And um, yeah, I've had some fun times, you know what I mean? Scaling those walls. Now, I'm not trying to say I am a... You know what I mean? I ain't entering the Olympics anytime soon, but it's fun, right? It's great freaking exercise, trust me. So, listen, we've had a lot of, well, it feels like we've had a lot of rock climbing films and documentaries of late. You know what I mean? Look, we've had Dawn Wall and Free Solo, which were incredible, incredible, right? Then we've had the films, what, The Ledge this year, um, Fall, right? There was um, also that the, the Olympic documentary. That was this year. Yeah. The Wall, right? The, the Road to Tokyo. I think that's the full title. And we cannot forget Free Peaks, right? Nim's documentary from late last year, which was so freaking good. So there's a benchmark, right? Now, the documentaries were definitely better than The Ledge and Fall. But, you know what I mean, there's, there's, there's these grades that we can look at, right, when it comes to these sorts of things. So, yeah, I was definitely intrigued to see what Summit Fever would be like. Now, it is written and directed by Julian Gilby. You know, Rise of the Foot Soldiers, A Lonely Place to Die. Like, he's got, there. It's like, you know what I mean? Look, he has done some really good films, right? So when his name's attached, there's something you can take away from that. You know what I mean? It is, the film is produced by um, Andrew Loveday, right? Tyrion Hanby, Mark Goldberg, executive produced by Lee Baker, Phil Hunt, Dee Johnson, Jack Loveday, Terry Loveday, Donald Pilkington, uh, 
Compton Ross and Andrew George Southern, associate produced by John Palfrey Smith, uh, Paul Riddle, and Tom Harbord, uh, line produced by Charlie Radcliffe and um, Sebastian Brown for some second unit stuff. Uh, music is from Michael Richard Plowman. Um, Adam Hall handles the cinematography. Gilby and Gabriel Foster Pryor edit the piece. Belinda Norcliffe handles the casting. Jenny Ray, production design, art direction. Ali Speed and Kate Stamp. Um, makeup and all of that jazz is Gwenel Bedou. Ludwin Jehan and Celine Noel, production management Sebastian Brown. Now our cast, right? So Michael is played by Freddie Thorpe. Um, Isabel is played by um, Mathilde Warner. Uh, Michael's sister Lucy is played by Laura Ferries. Michael's best friend, JP, is Michael Beale. Um, JP's friends, Leo, is played by Ryan Felipe. And Leo's girlfriend, Natasha, is played by Hannah New. We've then got um, doo -doo -doo, Rudy, played by Theo Christine. And his girlfriend, Bay, played by Jocelyn Widow. Uh, we've got JP's mother, played by Nancy Tate, and his father, played by Regis Ramil. Uh, we've got Damien Rue, played by Thomas Ancora. Uh, Claude, played by Jake J. Menonim. Um, and Tino, played by Giamarco Sarino. So, um, yes. That is our cast. Pretty great cast. You know what I mean? Pretty great cast, right? Now, the, um, the gist of the film is this. A young Englishman, Michael, um, sets foot to the Alps to help his friend conquer the big three over a single summer. The Matterhorn, the Eiger, and Mount Blanc. Despite witnessing bloody fatalities while ascending the first two peaks, they persevere onto the final climb, unaware of a deadly storm brewing on the other side of the mountain. Boy, <laughs> so obviously, people, that does not bode well. Does not bode well at all. Oh. You know what I mean? So it's just like, man. Now, the thing about this film, as I said, look, we've got all of these great documentaries, you know, as, as our barometer for rock climbing stuff. And, you know, this is a, a made-up story, essentially, right? 
well, completely, you know, so you've been thinking, ah, can it, can it compete with something like that? Now, people, I will tell you this, technically, this is pretty friggin' impressive, pretty friggin' impressive, and I think when you, you know, learn about Gilby's, like, interest in mountaineering you understand why right so here's a statement from the director i've been climbing and mountaineering since 2008 but my visit to chamonix france in 2011 was the inspiration for summit fever i was overwhelmed by the scale of the place and fascinated with the mountaineering risk taking skiing culture that permeated from every bar and every cliff. Youngsters would risk their necks on some of the most daring climbs and off-piste skiing routes by day and party like there was no tomorrow every night. It inspired me to write a youth culture baptism of fire story, Big Wednesday mixed with quadrophenia an American graffiti set against a backdrop of extreme mountaineering. The climbing I had seen on screens recently tended to either be very good documentaries on the sport or films like Everest, which I love, by the way. Um, and these dealt with older characters confronting their midlife crisis on the icy slopes. Shamani introduced me to the hard-parting rock and roll style of extreme mountaineering. And um, this was a side of the sport that I felt hadn't been represented much on the big or small screen. And I was determined to do it justice. The mix of excitement and drama, people were getting killed with alarming regularity when I was when I started climbing there in 2011. And as we were filming last year, sadly, three climbers and one skier were killed in an avalanche just at the far side of the valley from our location. Boy, right? Um, so, doo -doo 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 -doo. Ugh, where did I just... Um, uh, yeah, so the mix of excitement and drama had just the right balance to create an unforgettable adventure in the French, Italian, and Swiss Alps. Because I had climbed the Eiger, Eastern Ridge, the Matterhorn, and Dent du Gun, Giant's Tooth, I had an up-close and personal experience that I knew wouldn't be effectively recreated with an overabundance of green screen. I wanted to go old school and film as much as possible in camera for real. One of the reasons the action sequences in Clint Eastwood's 1970s thriller, The Eager Sanction, um, are still held in such high regard today is because they shot so much footage on the real mountain. We ended up filming the north face of the Eiger, Mont Blanc, and Freddie Falk, one of our young leads, trained with me and summited the notorious Matterhorn. We had a film set 
on the summit at 14,692 feet above sea level, above the clouds in camera reel. The tough shooting conditions paid off in a way no amount of special effects can compete with. Nothing is as good as the real thing. Nothing. Filming at altitude is not necessarily the easiest way to make a film, but the rewards for outweighed the inconveniences. Filmmaking is tough. Filmmaking is an adventure, as it should be. The best results rarely go hand in hand with the easy approach. Summit Fever is a film five years in the making. I invite you to enjoy this adventure. So, just from that, right, you can tell there's a passion behind it. You know, it's something that takes five years. You know, look, that alone, you know, a lot of films take, a, you know, it's crazy how a lot of the films you love, yeah, it took a long time to put together, right? And especially, you know, recently due to lockdown and all of that kind of jazz. But the insane thing about this is they actually climbed these friggin' mountains, right? Actually climb these mountains. There's a scene in a cave, not a set, actually was filmed in a frigging cave in a glacier, right? They had to go down one on one, had to have a small team inside because it was so, like, cramped. Harry, you, look, you don't do those sort of things if you're half-stepping. So when you learn that they put all of that into it, I mean, you, you've got to take your hat off to these motherfuckers, right? You've got to do that. Like, regardless of if you liked the film or if you didn't, right? Because that's so much freaking effort, right? That, that's so much passion. You know, listen, the stars of the film climbed the mountain. Now, Freddie Fall, right? Good actor. Uh, yeah, look, I'd seen him in Winks on Netflix. And that's like a young adult, right? It's not made for me. So, you know, you like, you look at it and you think, yeah, you know, it is what it is. When I watch this, yo, you, a whole nother level of respect for these motherfuckers, right? Because that's not just acting. That's something else, because you're climbing mountains, and, you know, just the rock climbing I have, done, I know how difficult that is, right, and that's indoors, so, um, like, outdoors, that's even crazy, that's even, like, my friend is, she climbs, and, like, she fell for fucking, you know, mountain the other year, you know, bruised herself up, Right? The shit goes wrong. So the fact that these actors, you know, make a good living, right? We're like, you know what? I'm willing to put it on the line to do this, to really do this role justice. There's something about that, right? And look, Freddie Thorpe is young. Ryan Felipe did the same. Ryan motherfucking cruel intentions Felipe. Hearing vet of the game, he climbed those mountains too, right? All, all these people climb these mountains. 
thing. So freaking impressive. JP did it. Um, you know what I mean? Like Chick that played Natasha, like they all, you know, were like, yo, you gotta do this. And it it shows. You can you can kind of tell a lot now, not all the time, right? Because these people are skilled that do all the special effects, but there's a lot of times you can tell green screen. You know, look, you, you, you see those situations where like people are meant to be on the top of a mountain, a building, something like that. And just it doesn't the background does not look right. Right, people driving in cars and the, the, the stuff you're seeing in the windows just doesn't look right. Right. So you can tell a lot of the times. And in this film, when you're seeing like the wind and the snow and the rain and just all of this stuff come down on these people, it looks so real. And you're thinking to yourself, how the fuck did they do that? That looks so friggin' real. Like, oh, they're, are they really putting these actors in those situations? Yes, yes, they did. And the film really benefits from that. Really benefits from that. Look, the story itself, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, in it, look, it's not Shakespeare, but it does tie into like the emotion, right? The emotion of what's going down, right? You you get the vibe. When you, you know, hear Gilby's statement, right? Wanting to capture this youth culture, people drinking and then doing these crazy climbs, that is palpable. You, you feel that coming off the screen. You know what I mean? Like these interactions between the characters, you definitely feel it, right? Now, the one thing, the one thing I'm a little bit dubious about, right? Michael and Mathilde, um, you know, they fall in love. They fall in love in this short period of time. But it is addressed in the bar scene. I will say it's addressed in the bar scene, you know? But that, that's like the only kind of real crazy thing because, you know what I mean, being around climbers, you know, right, they will, you know what I mean, like people die, uh, but they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go and do this thing, you know? And when I first started, I'm like, whoa, 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 but people died. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, well, it's a challenge, right? So... It's this crazy thing that these people do, you know what I mean? Because, like, no matter how good a climber you are, there's conditions that can change everything, but they still do it. And you really, you know, get a, a look into that mentality with this film. You know, people question it, you know, like, it's not all, yay, gang-ho. There, there are these conversations, you know what I mean? So, yeah, they, they, you know, Gilby does a great job of capturing that. Like, a great job of putting these moments together. Him and his crew really put these moments together that make you 
really kind of get into the minds of these characters, like understand why they might be climbing these mountains, why they might be doing this insane shit. And when, if you watched any of the documentaries, especially, you know, Nim's 14 Peaks, you kind of, you know, get that insight into, um, like, summit fever, right? The, the, the situation where the altitude, you know, you've been up so high for so long, you start hallucinating, right? You, you start just not really you know, acting rationally and shit can go very, very wrong. Very wrong. Right? So we have all of this. All of this is there. But then we do get this thing, right? This moment where it, like, is questioned, right? Why would people do this shit? Right? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? So Listen, I really enjoyed Summit Fever, people. I really friggin' did. You know? It, as I said, technically, this is phenomenal. It is so freaking good. So good, like, just the cinematography and shots, right? You think, how did they get that? Right? The panning and just, you know, like, the people, like, the accidents, just... Man, it makes you fucking nervous, right? Look, you're not the one standing on top of these mountains, but you just be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know what I mean? Especially when it pans out and you just see how much space they're actually standing on. It's just like, yo, this is too insane. What if a gust of wind happened, right? What if, you know what I mean? It's just like, yo, you, you people be crazy. So, Liz, if you've enjoyed all of the, you know, the rock climbing, mountaineering films that have been out of late, all the documentaries, all of that kind of thing, then I do feel you will want to add Summit Fever to your watch list, you know? Trust me, people, you will not, you will not be let down, because this is really, really bloody impressive, you know what I mean? So yeah, check out Summit Fever on all your favorite VODs. All right, go do it. And now, people, we will get into really great conversation with the um, really interesting, really interesting Julian Gilby. Now. To, right at the very end, my internet just cracked out. So it goes a little weird, but then we get back in. We get back in and sign up. So um, yeah, don't uh, don't tune out. <laughs> but no, even real interest, right? And you can see he's got a passion for this shit. So yeah, you want to get into. Sure. Okay, people, so I am joined today by writer, director, Julian Gib Gibby. Gib Gilby. Gilby. Yes. 
There you go. We're there, we're there. Yeah, Julian Gilby. Julian, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, must be busy. Summit Fever is now out. And um, yeah, I'm sure you've got a whole heap of interests around that. How's it been? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an interesting sort of journey making the movie, you know, for a, you know, uh, it's, it's taken a long time to make the film, you know, and there's been a pandemic in between. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, uh, how's it been? It's been, it's, 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 it's always a rocky road making a movie, you know, I'm sure you know, you know, so, uh, yeah, um, you know, I can get into a million specifics, but I'm sure you'll sort of, you know, throw the one at me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the thing that I find interesting, I mean, there's a lot, because the technical skill of filming this film was just surprised the hell out. Like, just watching the shots and the cinematography, it's just like, how the hell did they get that? But you, you know, reading in the press, Pat, you started rock climbing in, what, 2008? Yeah, yeah, I'd say I, that was when I sort of that was when I started putting ropes and stuff on. I sort of climbed mountains beforehand, but I sort of, yeah, that was when I sort of started to take an interest in it properly. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, you're what three films in? You've just done Rise of the Foot Soldier, which was hugely popular. You know, it's branched off into a big franchise of its own now. Like. You're, you're just hitting that stride and now you're like, yeah, let me climb mountains. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the thing is that, the you know, Rise of the Foot Soldier didn't become a a franchise for, you know, a lot of years after. I, I very much resisted, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think it necessarily warranted a sequel. I mean, not to ruin it for anybody, but they all got killed in the first film and yeah. we show them get killed in the first film at the very beginning of the first film. So, you know, we show the deaths at the start. And so I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of this prequel upon prequel upon prequel. And I, I, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, good luck to them, but it's not, it's not something I, I want to sort of keep doing because I want to do different things, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and so, so we obviously, we sort of went into the sort of a lonely place to die thriller territory up in Scotland and had a wonderful time doing that, you know, instead. And then, yeah. And then here we are, you know, a few movies and bits and pieces later with Summit Fever, which we shot in the Alps, which is a, you know, big step up location wise, you know, practical wise than anything. I mean, you know, Tin and our producer, he's like, I've never had to factor in acclimatization into any schedule before, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, well, you are now, you know, you know, everyone's going up to thousands of feet and you yeah you have to you have to you have to acclimatize to that you know yeah mm. and you know you 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 mentioned a trip to france that kind of was the the thing that got your mind thinking about this film right and i think we've seen a lot of especially there's been a lot of climbing documentaries and there's you know films like the ledge and fall that came out this year right with all these docs and everything like that that have done so well, Dawn Wall, Free Solo, 14 Peaks. What was it like when, you know, you were doing this? Did you feel any kind of pressure to be like, ah, oh, I need to, to be like this? Or I want No, no, no. This film is just a personal project that I started writing a long time ago. And, 
and you know some people have reacted wonderfully to it and had a wonderful time and other people have been more cynical to a very sort of simple story of youngsters climbing mountains and getting into all sorts of trouble and to the cynics i say fuck off actually i really do um the story that sort of inspired me i suppose the inspiration behind it we've all been young we've all fucked up we've all done all sorts of crazy stuff right um but uh touching the void which i thought was one of the finest documentaries dramatic otherwise reconstructions mm. but the book touching the void is even more detailed you know but as as it would be the book the book is an incredible piece of literature anyone who's ever wants to literally just if you've got a an aeroplane journey anything else you've got to do forget watching something read something just get a copy of touching the void and and read it it's just extraordinary but his prequel slash sequel book is a book called this game of ghosts and Joe Simpson writes about, you know, him and his friends aged 19, 20, 21, uh, staying out in Chamonix, completely skint, working as Alpine bin men so that they can earn a bit of money, you know, just to, just to exist really. And they're sleeping on each other's floors in the winter, sleeping in tents in the summer and doing this crazy fucking Alpine mountaineering up on, you know, the Putty Drew, Mont Blanc, the Aiguilles, um, uh, the Eiger, the Matterhorn, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, shit, you know, the idea of these youngsters that are getting pissed in bars and nursing their hangovers by, you know, then going up and climbing in the Alps. And that's that's an interesting concept, you know, and I think, you know, and, and, and you know, it was it felt to me a slightly different approach to doing a mountaineering movie and and that and it felt like a fun approach you know and the mm. other thing was you know when people talk about mountains we always hear about you know the andes or the himalayas and, and, and actually you know alpinism was born in the alps and the alps have got some of the most unbelievable stunning and dangerous and extraordinary vistas in the world and the Alps was exactly where I wanted to set this film because I found it so, so fascinating personally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it that drew you to climbing itself? What was it that drew me to climbing myself? That's a very good question. Um, I suppose it starts with a long walk, you know, you know, you only have to go on a kind of, you know, and it starts with scrambling, you know, you only have to climb a Scottish Monroe or a Welsh 3000er, you know, just going up to these places, there's just an incredible tranquility. And, and you know, and, that, and that's where some people, they stay. They, you know, you climb these hills and have fun. And I don't know, you know, when 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 we started working on A Lonely Place to Die, I realized, well, we, we, we've got to test out the ropes and we've got to do this and we've got to take some climbers to take us to some more interesting places. And I was straight away, I was like, I'm fascinated by this. I love it when, you know, instead of people getting bored, you know, I'm just thinking about people a hundred years ago or whatever else. A bunch of people are like, oh, what should we do? Hey, guys, we could play a game of cricket. What about a game of football? What about that? What, that big lump of rock? Yeah. <laughs> should we go and climb it? Yeah, I think there's an adventure in that. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and I love that. I love that we're, we're always setting ourselves these adventures. These, what is it? What is it? They say conquistadors of the useless. You know, you know, they're, they're, but, 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 you know, but. I mean, that's, you know, it's the same with a game of rugby or a game of tennis. I mean, you know, yes, you can win a cup and you can win Wimbledon, but really you've, you know, you've, you've, you've won, you know, it's, it's a game or it's, it's, it's something to do, you know, you know, it's a, and, and so, yeah, so I found that fascinating, you know? Mm, mm. Do you do it often? Yes, I do. And I'm about to, 
I'm just um, back sort of getting myself into shape to do a winter traverse of the Kulin Mountains in the Isle of Skye uh, next February. And that's a very, very alpine, wonderful, beautiful snow and rock with the sea a few thousand feet below you and stuff. Yes, 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 I'll always do it, you know, until, until you know. And then the great thing is when I'm, if I'm lucky enough to get to old age, there's always something you can walk up, trudge up, mm. hike up, you know, and that's what I'd like to continue doing. Absolutely. Yeah, good, clean fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. See, I, like, indoor is me, you know, like, just where I live, I've got a, a huge, one of the tallest um, indoor walls just around the corner, which is great. But, yeah, I don't think I'm built for outdoor. <laughs> like, I have, I have trouble enough indoor, so I'm, like, feel that's I, just, that's I, Well, what I'd say to you, Kevin, is, is, is like anything, everything's graded so you know you've got you've got a climb that you know you've got a climb that a five-year-old can do you've got a climb that a you know you've got a, you know you've got a climb that a, you know and, and and five foot to the right of that is a climb that only three people in the world can do you know and so so, so the point is is everything's graded so you know you know trust me there's some fucking difficult indoor climbing out there oh, um yeah. you know yeah, yeah yeah i mean just crazy I stuff you know yeah 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 <laughs> yeah what you do have is you do have you do have you do have control over your weather environment indoors of course but um yeah there's something about that adventure and there's something i can't describe you know you've done a bit of rock climbing to climb up to a mountain to go around a ridge to get back down and then you're there with your climbing partner having a pint in a bar somewhere and it's it's just a wonderful feeling that you realise that somebody a hundred years ago would have been doing exactly the same thing in probably exactly the same pub, Kevin. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, I, and there's something quite historical and wonderful about that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine, because I know what it's like, you know, yeah. just getting to the top of a, like a hard, you know, route indoors. But for, for me, it's more, I'm basically blind. So, like, just seeing where the holds are and the foot hot is just, yes. it gets very different. You know, you have to be climbing with certain people that will, you know, yeah. do the directions of, like, you have to move your hands slightly to, you know what I mean? And so, yes, of course. Like, that's why I'm kind of like, maybe not outside. But Well, I, that's know. an interesting thing you point out because I'm, I, I, you, you still have some, some eyesight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because the indoor walls, they, they 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 always color code. They're sort of you know, so you you know whether you know the red is a seven A and the and the green is a six A and the blue is a five A or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You've got your grades and your things, and you can mix and match it up if one wants to or whatever. But um, you know, Kevin, you know, you seem like a nice guy. I know some very cool people that would take you to a lovely outdoor wall you know even even if it's only you know 20 30 40 feet high or whatever there's some there's lots of fun to be had outdoors you know and then and then as i said you know it's, it's something there's something about that nature thing like you know even you know going for a run or something mm. like that i i never ever ever go for a run listening to music with a pair of headphones on i always run so that i can just listen to nature yeah. and also because i just need to click where i do all my i do all my thought admin when I go for a run or, or, or a climb or a walk or whatever you do, you know, and, and so, so, you know, I don't sort of clutter it up with the, the, the music side of things. So there's a lot to be said for outdoors in that, that, that side of things, you know, definitely.
Oh, for sure. I'm going hiking in Windermere over for New Year's. So, um, yeah, I'm looking. Uh, yeah, that's a lake district. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we've just been there this summer. It's oh, so right. beautiful. You'll oh, have a wonderful time, Kevin. You'll have a wonderful time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so no, beautiful. This will be my third trip. Like, I've, I've, you know, hiking is something I enjoy doing. So, you oh. know, kids just going. Same here. Same here. The Nephli and Snowdon. You know what I mean? Just doing those little, you know what I mean? And, and that kind of got me like, ah, oh, because I was always like, oh, I'd love to kind of climb Kilimanjaro and, you know, do some of these. But then, <laughs> you know, I think the hubris of youth, when you think you could do everything. And then I fell off a climbing wall, <laughs> you know, yeah. about a decade ago. And I was a bit like, hmm. <laughs> yeah no no of course it's 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 so you know it's nobody's so interesting what you say that 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 invincibility of youth which is what i wanted to get you know one of one of the things i wanted to sort of challenge in the movie was that thing where that fucking phrase people say when someone says oh they died doing what they were loved you know somebody can be talking about somebody surfing a hundred foot wave and the guy gets killed and they go well, he died doing what he loved. Do you know what? I don't think sleeping is his absolutely favorite thing to do, but I guarantee you that he would have loved to have died in his sleep. Yeah. Not falling off a hundred foot wave or a hundred foot cliff or what what have you. So I did want to slightly challenge that that myth where we try and comfort ourselves, you know, mm. with and creating a beautiful fiction. You know, uh, you know, I, I definitely wanted to challenge that a wee bit. You know. Well, that was a very kind of poignant conversation at the end of the film. You know what I mean? Where um, the characters are talking and the dad is just like, I don't need any poetic bullshit. Just yes, yes. You know what I mean? And I think, mm. because yeah, like, as you said, people always say those things, you know. It's just well, like we have a longer version of that scene actually, Kevin. And the only oh. reason, the only reason that we cut it, we, he still says, you know, I, you know, I'm not interested in a beautiful fiction, Michael. And the scene was a lot longer, but I realized that all he was doing in the scene was regaling the story that yeah. we'd already just seen. So yeah. I had to cut it back a bit to, 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 to maybe just get the points out of it. But I still, I think we got the, the essence of the scene. And yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely, you know, he says, you know, he died doing what he loved. He says, is that what you believe? And he just shakes his head. Mm. No, you know, I no, I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, <sighs> It's 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 um yeah it's 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 one of those yeah it's an interesting an interesting sort of uh, trying to sort of break that myth of you know yeah that yeah because we always try and comfort ourselves you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and sometimes unfortunately it's it's not very realistic no because yeah. I imagine you know falling or drowning not that fun yeah. <laughs> not that fun so uh... horrific yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the kind of crazy thing about it. But, you know, the, like, what I got from the film was the passion. And just this conversation, just about rock climbing, you can see where that has come from. Because you, you, it's clear you have a true love for it. And I think oh, yeah. that is the thing that sometimes is missing from films or tv when people make these things it's like what's well, a gig let me i'll make a film about this thing but they don't really have the the love for the thing but when you've been embedded in something can you do that thing i think 
you can always hear it in the way people talk. And so it comes out when you create and you do these things. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I had a real passion for the for, for the climbing and for everything. But, you know, the Alps, the history of the Alps, um, like, for example, without without dropping any spoilers, but the entire finale of the of Summit Fever is a sort of a a battle for survival during a big, big storm on the um, south side of Mont Blanc. And I, I, I mean, it was, it's, it's very loosely based on the 1961 tragedy on the central pillar of Franey, which happened on the south side of Mont Blanc, where seven people went up and only three people survived. And four people were struck by lightning, uh, you know, and, and one of them was struck by lightning four times and had uh, flames coming out of their ears. And, uh, you know, one of them fell into a crevasse and was killed and, and all of this thing. And, and, it, and it was, um, as I was reading it, I was like, this is fucking insane. You know, every, mm. the thing is, and the thing is, you know, and, you know, we, we had a couple of reviews that just, you know, I had a couple of reviews that just said, it's, it's, it's too over the top. It's too unrealistic. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. The Alps is fucking insane. The Alps is 10 times more dangerous in some ways because of the access to it because of the easy access to some of these yeah. slopes the alps has more fatalities year in year out than anywhere else in the world you know and 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 you know and, and i mean nothing but horror shows you know i mean over the years and, and um and so you know the finale of summit fever is in no way an exaggeration of what can happen on mont blanc any side north or south Mm. Uh, there's been so much tragedy on that mountain. You know, 1,400 people have died on Mont Blanc. You know, if you compare that to just 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 shy of 300 people on Everest, you know, it's 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 a shocker of a number. You know. Yeah, and I kind of think that is surprising. People have said that because I think mean, with the access that we now have had to kind of the essence of rock climbing through documentaries and. You know, like 14 Peaks last year. I think it was last year. Brilliant then, documentary. The book is oh, even better. I mean, don't get me wrong. The documentary is wonderful. When I say the book is even better, I'll rephrase that and say the book is a nice accompaniment. When I, when I, you know, what I mean is there's just more there. Yeah, you want to yeah. chew on more. That's what I mean. The, the film's wonderful. <laughs> the book is a wonderful accompaniment. Do them both. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I, yeah, I, like, yeah. yeah, there's always going to be more in the book. Yeah. Right? yeah. You can always relay like this different kind of, essence of something in the book and in the in a film you have to cut it down to yeah yeah of of it so no i i understand but yeah, yeah. these things that you know when he talks about like got like losing people and just so we know what happens on mountains it's crazy it's, oh, it's yeah. one of those like the only other thing i can kind of think of is like childbirth where, like, where people people do it, they go through agony, and then a few months later they might be, yeah, let's do it again. Let's have another one. And and like rock climbing, we know people fall off. We know the hazards, the avalanches, just all of these different things that could happen. It and it doesn't matter if you you can be the best climber, but if a rock just comes loose, if you know, one of these just freaks of nature happens, you're done for. Yeah. But people still go and do it. Yeah, well, this it's because it's so it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to do. And you know, and you know, somebody asked me the other day, 
you know, could you just describe why you would go and do it? And I said, well, let me just give you a little scenario. Uh, it's February. It's 6.30 a.m. You're 3,500 feet up a jagged ridge in Scotland. You can see the ocean down one side. You can see a sea of white mountains the other. And you're walking over a jagged, snowy ridge as an, a, the most blood orange sky comes up and explodes over it. And there's only you and one other person there. And there's no one else there. And you're literally like, this, this is, nobody's seen this. <laughs> this is, this is beyond what we were, you know, forget your fucking tourist views of the Bahamas with 50 people running around bloody Paradise Island or whatever. Fuck that. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Mm. And I am here. I am now. And you know what it, all it really took was a bit of getting up early and a bit of guts and a bit of everything. This is extraordinary. This is so fucking beautiful. Edit yeah. out that word. Uh, yeah, it was just that, that to me is, is, is that love of climbing, you know? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. It's just like get, getting to the top of a hill, you know, and looking out and just seeing the clouds and, you know, like the sun setting and just there's something about that because at that moment, you're the only person seeing that view. Other people will climb and they'll see stuff, but you're the only one seeing that. That's why I wanted to climb the Matterhorn when we were filming this movie. And, and Freddie became, I realized quite early on that Freddie was very physically able and we weren't going to be doing the main shoot for a while. But I said, let's get Freddie to climb the Matterhorn with me in this September. And, you know, me and Freddie and two guides, I'll climb with John McCune. He can climb with Danny Allman, dressed as Jean-Pierre. And, you know, I was able to get these over-shoulder shots of Freddie on the summit of, and it's not even arguably, on the summit of the most beautiful mountain in the world. Uh, with, you know, 5,000 feet below us is a sea of cloud and you can see Mont Blanc 50 miles away. And here I am shooting him on a lens and there he is. And I'm like, this is a shot in a movie that, that, that you know, yeah, we've worked hard for it, but I mean, Christ, it's never going to have that inherent artificiality. It's going to have that real, real, real look, you know, and that, that was what I was trying at least to try to go for as much as possible in the whole film was to relive my own experiences where I could. And just, you know, I wanted to climb that, that few thousand feet higher. I wanted to get that camera a little bit further up to say, to, to just give you and anyone, you know, that experience a little bit more, you know, or a feel of it, you know? Yeah, no, that, the technical element of this film is incredible. There's, Thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, there's films which you can watch and, you know, like someone's, they're driving in a car and talking and you're like, Mm, the background doesn't look real. You know what I mean? Or, or I've never, all... I've never worked that out. Oh my god! Yeah. When people I... green screen people driving in cars, I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You can do it really well at night. Mm. At night, I mean, at Fight Club. I only knew because I watched the making of. You know, and they had the windows up and there's rain falling, and they had they had back projection behind them, and you can't tell because it's just no. David Finch is a master. But if you're not David Fincher, just just shoot shoot people in cars and shoot it for real. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. So it's just, you know, and we've seen people on mountains, and we're like, that doesn't look like a mountain. But though the shots, like with the snow coming, I think there's that that scene where um Ryan Felipe 
is there and the snow is coming down. He's turned around to talk to um, Natasha. And it's just like, how, the, how are they, how are you getting the shot? This is insane. And really, we, we, I'll tell you how we just filmed him in shitty weather at uh, 12,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that is, that is, that is how you do that. Um, yeah, no, no, we get, no, yeah, get them up high. Uh, yeah, get get them up high. It'll all look, you know, it'll all look good. And Ryan, Ryan was a real star. You know, Ryan, Ryan was up for anything, you know, because I know that he's, you know, he's done a lot of, uh, um, you know, he takes, uh, you know, if he plays a military character or a, a police character, <coughs> I do beg your pardon. If he plays a, a military character or a police character or anything like that, you know, he's going to take all of that gun training, et cetera, et cetera, very, very seriously. And he took the the climbing exactly in the same way he took the technical side of it very seriously we had him climb with you know absolute top ifmga guide will sim and he took him all over italy and france and the chamonix glacier and, and and all different types of climbs to really sort of get get ryan in psychological shape for it he was already in great physical shape but you know, just getting prepared for it and, and yeah and it was a uh, and you know i think ryan absolutely took to it like duck like like a duck to water you know like, what was that like, right? Get all the casting. Because, like, if, like, if you, well, firstly, did you have anyone in mind when you casted, or did you just, these people just came up and they were just like, oh, they're going to be perfect? No, no. I, I think, I think with casting, like, you know, with most things, you, you, you go through, a lot, you know, hundreds of audition tapes. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was great that Ryan did that. That, that role you know uh, you know I, and I there are you know quite a lot of American guides in Chamonix so it's quite easy to tailor make a you know an actor and, and a lot of the reason that the Americans are in places like France and Europe and wherever is because they can earn a lot more money because in America these these American guides they have to give a massive chunk of their fee to the national park it's right. like Jesus really they don't earn proper you know they don't earn enough money to do that you know, you know. I mean, in a way, it's like you working at a restaurant and giving half your money to the restaurant because you're just under their roof. That's nuts, you know. And so, so you know, he he has a line. You know, I make a lot more money out here than back in the Sierra. That's that's just inherently true, you know. But um, from a casting point of view, you just go through, you know, you you just you just find the right people for the job. Because so, you know, I always get this dinner table conversation or whatever where someone says. Oh, who would you like in your movie? And I'm like, it just never works like that. If you say mm. I want, if you say I want this person, it'll always end up being that person. So the truth is, just just keep writing a good character and not get too attached to an idea of any specific one human being, and then you have a lot of options, you know. Yeah, I mean that is one thing that I always find very curious. You know, there's sometimes people be like, oh yeah, I had this person in mind when writing the role, but the amount of times when you see you like, oh, this person's dropped out of film, there's conflict and and then so it's just like if you're writing for a specific person, but they're already doing a big franchise or something, that's gonna get all tricky. You well, know? you know, I you know, as long as you haven't signed somebody up, you know, you've gotta you've gotta sort of I mean, like I mean, I remember with a lonely place to die, I, I wrote very, very much with Franca Potenta in mind for the character of Alison. I think she was called Sarah in earlier drafts and, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, there's a scene in A Lonely Place to Die where the character of Alison looks at a photograph of the Iger on the wall and says, oh, you know, 
you know, I'd like to climb that, etc., etc., etc. And it actually suited the German character better because the Germans were the ones, the Germans and the Austrians were the ones that, you know, first conquered the north face of the Eiger in 1938. So it has a very Germanic kind of, uh, sort of uh, you know, ownership to it, at least in that, in that particular route. And so, you know, Franca Patenta, I, I'd visualized, I, all I could do was think, oh, it's so cool. I met her in Berlin. She's a wonderful actress, a lovely person. And then because our schedule got shifted, she couldn't do it. And so we had to go on. And of course, what happens is I visualized Franca Patenta and we end up with an Australian actress, uh, Melissa George, who does a wonderful job, but it's not how I envisaged it. But then you realize, well, so, you know, you know, sometimes it can be you know, right, right, you know, write a character, but, you know, have an open enough mind to think other people can play that character, you know? Yeah. 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 And when you casted, did, was it a specific thing that you've got to be open to climbing or able to climb? Uh, yeah, I mean, God, yes, very much for the character of Michael and Jean-Pierre. But, you know, that was fine because, you know, Michel Beale is, you know, he was a climber anyway, and he's extraordinarily physically uh, adept at anything like that. He's a mountain biker, he's a climber, he's everything. He's Mr. Action Man. And Freddie Thorpe was, uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was very physically able to do bloody anything. So they were, and they were sort of, you know, challenging each other. So it was great. You know, I had, a, I had two very sort of, you know, uh, physically adept actors. Um, you know, with the, with the character of Isabel, you know, yes, it would have been wonderful if, if, if the actor was amazing at skiing, but that wasn't going to be the case. And, and to, to become a good skier takes years and yeah. years and years. And the truth is, once you put a helmet on and you put a pair of goggles on, you can be doubled from five feet away and no one's going to tell the difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's a little bit of that with the skiing going on. But <laughs> so what, you know? Yeah, I, I tried indoor skiing and was terrible. I was ah. I was so bad. Like, there was little kids and grannies that were just blazing. And I just, I kept on falling. At the end of the, at the, end of the course, the guy was like, we really, we always want to get people to pass. I just can't pass you, though. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> no, but you kept yourself, you, you kept yourself safe. So that's the main thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, like there was those skiing scenes, you know, when Michael goes down like the black route and the ones where they're on the top of the, ah, oh, they, I just, <laughs> you know, when you see that kind of craziness and you just feel like, oh, like, <laughs> even though it's not me in those positions, you do get that emotional, like, oh my God. Well, I, I kind of base that sort of chase between them, between me and my wife, because you know, my wife is a way, way better skier than I am. I'm a perfectly half decent skier, but she's, 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 she just looks like an artist on the slopes. You know what I mean? She was a, she was a skiing instructor in um, Vilar and Barbaleurs in the nineties. And she just, she's just an effortlessly brilliant skier. So, you know, whenever I've ever skied with my wife, it's a case of she flies off her head and then I, I meet her, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, um, and so that kind of, you know, became that sort of, I thought, oh, this is quite a nice dynamic in the movie. Just just have have Isabella's just just way, way better right from the start. Because that's all I've ever mm. known, you know, from my, you know, you know, my male, female kind of, you know, skiing relationships. 
um, yeah, you know, the, 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 the lady is just, you know, way better. And then, you know, I thought, well, you know, you know, this is a bit of a metaphor there, you know, blatant metaphor about him chasing her. But yeah, you know, I thought, I thought, yeah, it could be, it could be quite fun, you know, definitely. Yeah, no, I like you did get really good chemistry between the characters and those like the moments, you know, when um at the beginning Michael isn't as accepted, but then he's accepted. And I think it's the certain lines in the film, like, listen, like he sees people come here all the time. So you gotta be able to show that you're, you know, in it. To get that, and I think that's very true. But you, you do feel that, right? And then when he is accepted, the dynamic completely changes, and it's very noticeable. So I thought those kind of parts of this film work really well. Like, what did you do to get that dynamic? Like, did did these guys hang out for a period of time? Did you do bonding? Um, Chamonix and all, you know, Chamonix is one of those places where. You know, there's no point going to Chamonix and showing off that you've done something because somebody sitting on the table next to you is going to have done something way, way more. Like, I mean, I remember we'd been we'd been filming in Switzerland and we'd done this Eiger helicopter rescue sequence. And we were just chatting away with a few friends, at the, you know, at the table about, you know, what an amazing experience it was. And there was just this really quiet guy at the end of the table. He was only about 27 years old. You know, perfectly nice guy, you know, just didn't, didn't, you know, he was just, you know, very, anyway, you know, later I was chatting and somebody said, yeah, he's, he's guided Everest three times. He's going again next year. And you're like, that's what I'm talking about. There's just this quiet fucking guy in the corner who just puts you to shame. So, you know, don't get me wrong. We weren't showing off, but there are plenty of, you know, we were just chatting about what we'd done, but there are plenty of, you can't go to Chamonix unless you're the greatest climber in the world. And even then, the greatest climber in the world is going to be really in Chamonix. They, they tend to be quite quiet and quite humble about it, you know. And you know, they'll just have a beer or whatever else and stuff, you know. So it, it was, it was, you know, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. Mm, mm. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know those, those moments like in the bar where everyone's just like celebrating a day of crazy climbing. And I mean, there's that bit where. Um, uh, Isabel is just like, wait, my friends have died, but everyone's just drinking. And it's just like, yeah, but it's to to celebrate, to get over those moments kind of thing. And I think you really do feel all of that. Like, and Well, it's, it's, that, it's, that, it's that excuse that everybody, every climber's ever used since, since, since whenever. I mean, you know, I, I kind of sort of base that attitude on uh, Dougal Haston and, and 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 all these uh, German climbers from the 1966 route on the Eiger, where John Harlan fell to his death at, during the climb, and he fell to his death. And you know, Chris Wallington was on the radio, and he was like, "Well, I presume you're all coming down." And you know, Dougal Haston was up there with the Germans. He's like, uh, "Well, we think we should climb, continue the climb in honor of him." Mm. Now. Let's be honest. Yes, there's a bit of that, but there's also nothing is going to stop me doing this. Yeah. Okay. You know, even the death of somebody else. And if we can, you know, they, they named the route after John Harlan. And, you know, but, but it, it, there seems to be this like, you know, even when death gets in the way, if it's not directly in the way, if you can sidestep it, 
then the, then a lot of these people will just carry on, you know. And I've, I found that interesting. And when I say a lot of these people, I mean a certain mountaineers of a certain, mm. you know, of a certain headspace. But I found that fascinating, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely that interesting thing. There's, I think, I there's there's like different ways of looking at it. I guess there's, I can understand the well. I set out to do a thing. I don't want to not do the thing or the, the the kind of mindset of, well, if I stop now, will I ever go back? Right. So I can see it from that kind of point of view. But then there is that like, yo, your, your friends just died. Like, or you had this really horrific accident. So it's yeah. like, it's interesting. It's an interesting kind of, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, well, you know, when you've got a film that doesn't involve around, you know, because we, 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 it's not a plot based film. There's no ticking clock. There's no bomb. There's no kidnapped child to rescue. It's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's simpler than that. It's, it's an adventure movie, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And when kind of thinking, conceiving all of this, like, after you did your shots and everything, or did you feel that you know you you were able to capture what you initially had? Oh well, we captured we captured this over a number of years because you know we started shooting footage on this film in 2017, and the actual shoot was in 2021. So in 2017, 2018, and 2019, we were getting mountaineering footage because I knew that you know we could shoot on the Matterhorn in September in certain safe bits. I knew we could shoot in the Eiger in either November or in April, uh, you know, you know, all these different times of year, even though they look very similar at the time, you know, they would have had to have one crazy perfect spring to have gone to all these places safely. So, you know, we did we did all this work. So we were matching up the storyboards and the shot lists, and then we had the real shots that we could match even closer than storyboards. And so it just became like a massive jigsaw puzzle, Kevin, you know, and you had, you know, we had the sequences. We had right, we got the Don Jean. We got Matterhorn, we got Iger, we got Mont Blanc, you know, and then and then and there were these just you know walls of storyboards around the production office, and you know me and my second unit, third unit, and we go through and see what we've ticked off, see what we got, see how we can match what we already got, see how you can match footage we had two years ago when so and so was there. Right, look there, he moves his head just at that point, so make sure when you go and shoot Michelle, he does that same movement. I can match it. Blah 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 blah. So it became like a massive, massive, massive jigsaw puzzle, I guess, and I'm not a mechanic. But how a mechanic can open up a, can strip an engine and put it back together again. He knows what the fuck he's doing because he's just methodical about it. Mm. And, that, and that's what it really came down to is it, it's just a methodical, yeah, it's very complex, but it's methodical. Ultimately, you have X number of shots to create, you know, a believable sort of scenario of, of it, you know, yeah. And how difficult is it? like being able to match those things up because you can look and go, oh, he moves his head like that. But reenacting that, like, is it sometimes slightly... No, it, no, no, Kevin, in some ways it's actually easier. Um, you know, when you've actually got footage to go and match to, it's much better than, than sort of having stories, having sort of pictures or whatever that you're trying to do something and then a unit months later or months earlier will or won't match. If you've actually got pictures and already you can really yeah you know if i've got a shot of you hanging off a helicopter from two years ago and i need to recreate a certain bit of it 
I can see exactly, oh, I can see you even moved your head like that and did a certain nuanced move. Well, if we get the closer up shot to do it's gonna it's gonna cut like butter, it's gonna cut oh, perfectly. Okay. So in some ways, matching stuff that you know, I always say when you're filming an action sequence, as much as possible, if you can have your stunt or your action people or your stunt people, it's it's better if you almost shoot their their stunt first, you know, before stunt after first, and then the actor uh, can, can match it's much better to get the actor to match a professional doing it perfectly than an actor doing climbing or whatever the hell he's doing first and then a stuntman slightly matching an actor not doing it so well mm. in order to make so it's much better to get you know to match to you know the the, the, the pros and so yeah it's, it's a long 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 process but you know it, it comes down to you know you've got to just keep ticking off those shots you know okay that yeah no actually that makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. you know the professional knows how to do it properly so them having to try and go ah god i've got to try and mess it up like the actor messed it up a little yeah. bit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah do it the other way around absolutely yeah 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 i know exactly yeah you know you put your two you know you, you, you put somebody you can't drive around behind the wheel of a car and then yeah exactly do it the right way around yeah yeah, mm. yeah. But what's so matching is simple when you have footage like that. But it's not simple. It's <laughs> nothing simple. Well, not nothing yeah, on this film. Right was <laughs> nothing about this film was simple. It was doable. It was doable. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's only now when I look back, and this film was fucking crazy. Uh, just, just, just everything about this film was just macked up to a ten about how we were going to achieve these climbing sequences. It was just, it's just so. We, we just went so far what was required, but to try and get them to just look better than, you know, what you'd expect is what our, our plan was, you know? Mm. But what's the mental fatigue like? Because if, if you started doing this in 2017, you know, and, and it's just like knowing that it's not going to be finished in a year. And so you've got to come back. I, I think, yeah, it was frustrating, but we we, we were frustrated because we had... You know, we had, you know, we had executive producers who couldn't get the money in places at certain times and people being dicked about. And then the pandemic comes along and it, it all took far longer than it needs to be. But while that happened, I just kept going, well, I'll go and grab this footage. I'll go and grab this footage. So I wasn't just going to sit there and have mm. a boo-hoo. Boo I'd go and get extra stuff. And then, but yes, it was it was frustrating because it wasn't, it wasn't a well-produced film. I'm not talking about the main producer, Tin and Hamby, who was, was brilliant, but, you know, uh, the, sort of the other names and all those exec producers, I think they, they didn't really understand how complicated it was, and I don't think we had the support that we needed. So, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough project. It was a really, really tough project. Um, but, you know, but we, we, we got to the finish line. We got there, you know? Yeah. Like, it must feel really just satisfying now it's out and you know you you've got this finished product right you you had this vision you wanted to to capture this. um yeah yeah i mean look i mean you know as i said i made a film for myself i mean what's not satisfying is when i get a couple of sort of couch potato american reviews who tell me that i've filmed in a polystyrene set and something doesn't look realistic uh, you know, so I get I get a couple of sort of arsy reviews from America, and uh, you know when you read somebody saying you know the ending is too over the top, 
uh, it's just too much. And you're like, well, this is based on, you know, a 1961 tragedy on the central pillar of Franey. And you're, it, when someone's, when someone doesn't know what the fuck they're writing about, I, I don't mind. If someone wants to criticize, you know, your script, or if somebody wants to criticize your characters or your writing, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that on the chin. But when somebody wants to criticize certain things they don't want to talking about, I'm not so interested in it. It's one of those funny ones. So we got, you know, some good reviews come in. Then we got some not so good reviews come in. Then we got some more good reviews come in. It's, it's weird. You know, some people seem to really, really get the film and some people it just seemed to just fly straight over their heads. And it was a very simple story. It's about a few youngsters who want to go and climb one crazy summer and, you know, either go with it or don't. But I'm very, very pleased with the film, you know. It's, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's nice to make a movie where somebody's not shooting somebody, you know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I find like, you know, these different kind of stories, like really compelling, you know, because yeah. we, we get a lot of gangster films and, you know, like car chases and just all of this kind of stuff. So being these more human kind of stories yeah like people doing these challenges and that yeah, kind of yeah. Stuff. that's what's um so fascinating you know and just like those different kind of elements like when jp is talking about jean um jean uh, jean claude is it jean claude uh no daniel yeah. daniel daniel um the speed speed climber ah uh, damien rue yeah, yeah yeah yes damien yeah Yes, when, when he's talking about that and everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, it, it was because, of, and he's like, no, it's the sponsors. Like, the, you know, and you're just like, yeah, I, I imagine that would be a thing. And this is like, I think. Well, I would, I would, I would, I would put some, I would put a, I'd put a caveat to that. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves. When, you know, what I, one thing I would always say is that when I have dialogue coming out of the mouth of characters, this is not me putting my, you know, my mm. thoughts, my, my, I'm not telling people what to do. This is not my, this is not my propaganda here. I'm firmly of the belief that characters speak in films and a lot of them are net, a lot of them are either wrong or misinformed or they have a certain point of view. So for example, you know, here's where the pressure is. I don't believe, you know, I know, for example, Alex Honnold's, Alex Honnold's, um, sponsors they don't want him climbing anything they, they would be much happier now he's mm -hmm. done he's he's done his everest he's done his el capitan you know they'd be much happier if alex honnell was in the you know by a nice indoor climbing wall at the cafe you know chatting away doing whatever you know doing a nice slideshow whatever else he's a charming chap etc they'd be super happy with that however what alex honnell says in his movie is somebody's going to do a crazier climb than this Somebody is going to do it now to do a crazier climb than free rider without a rope, which goes up, you know, which is, you know, you're talking about something that goes up to about, you know, in British terms, E7, E8, uh, you know, uh, you know, 3000 feet of vertical and overhanging rock. But what he said is he says, somebody's going to go and do something more impressive. Mm. Well, and in a way, where the pressure comes from is not by the sponsors themselves. It's not by him himself. It's that, you know, if somebody wants to become famous at something, they have to outdo that thing. Yeah. So the pressure is actually on the climber themselves. But it, somebody somewhere is going to say, well, 
if somebody goes and free solos free rider tomorrow it's as impressive a feat but it's already been done mm. it's, it's not going to get any press at all doesn't matter how difficult it is it's not going to get any press so somebody is going to have to push themselves to do something harder bigger bolder scarier to make people go oh shit this guy's even whoa this guy's on a par with or whatever so i think it's actually people putting that own pressure on themselves so it's, it's most certainly not the sponsors doing it it's people wanting to get the sponsors to notice them oh shit i don't look like brad pitt i don't look like you know Angelina Jolie so I've got to be absolutely the best at blah 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 or whatever you know um so yeah no it's, it's an interesting you know so that was my sort of thing about the sponsors but you know whatever the characters are saying the truth of the matter is they're putting the pressure on themselves because you know sponsors you know otherwise yeah there's there's, there's otherwise there's no big money they'll just be given free gear you know they'll still be skinned they'll still be working in a bar they might be given a few north face jackets and they might be given a few Arcturix bits and pieces but you know that that doesn't mean you're sponsored you know wearing a bit of gear yeah you know and yeah. yeah yeah but I, I just thought it was an interesting thing for the, for the guy to say you yeah. know what I mean because oh, yeah. I think there's there's times in you know we'll see this and it like we don't get those conversations so it's just like the conversation itself there's you, you like those conversations in the film you do feel yeah, that feels like that character would say that thing. You know what I mean? That that I thought that was the interesting thing about oh, that. Thank moment. you, thank you, you Kevin. Yeah, no, good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know. Well, yeah, it's like the conversation at the end, because I thought that was because there's so many different ways you could end this film, right? And so you've got that poignant conversation with the family, and then that other conversation. You know what I mean? And and you're just like, oh, I mean, that is very, you know what I mean? The, the, she's kind of right in what she's saying. And then and then you finish with that climb made me mad. Because no, I'm just like, wait, there's no rope? Does I, was, was he roped on that final climb? And you just pan out and you see how high it is. It's just like, gee. Well, that was, that was Freddie. That that is Freddie Thorpe, the actor, and he was on a climb that was three hundred plus meters, so it was a thousand foot vertical to overhanging, and and you know that that's enough to to, to do yourself a mischief if you fall. Mm. Um, what he did was we had him wear his um, harness on the inside of his trousers, and so he, he he had a top rope, he had a top rope come up, you know, literally through his flies and and up to that and we had him you know held on a top rope now we they were there are but they were not controlling his climb they they were only using the top rope as, as protection if needs be so yeah. he is actually he is actually free climbing you can see he's not being pulled in any part of yeah. that bit he's free climbing that bit the rope is there in case but um and then all, all we had to do was digitally erase the rope because i you know um i cannot put an actor <laughs> on a thousand foot cliff face without a rope. Um, it's, you know, the insurance, you know, as I said to Freddie, I said, once we've done the visual effects on that and we've digitally erased the rope, I said, your mother's going to have a fit when she sees that. And, she, and you know what, she'd probably have a, just as much of a fit if she saw the footage of him with the rope because it still looked terrifying. You know, um, you know, it's still, 
Blimey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, you know, it was um yeah, it was it was a it was it was a good shot. Yeah. Oh, but it just makes you feel so uncomfortable watching that. You'd be like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so high. <laughs> no, I know, you know, no, it's 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 uh yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Hmm. And getting them to, you know, there's a, a, earlier when I mentioned about, you know, in the car suit, like seeing if these people could climb or were down to climb. Like, how were those conversations? Be like, Freddie, do you want to do the Matterhorn with me? Like, you know what I mean? That, no, that was, that was, yeah, because that was ahead of time from the main shoot because, you know, we shot that, you know, considerably before the main shoot. And no, hmm. I did, I, I you know, I, I, I basically... Yeah, I, I got in touch and said, hey, man, you know, do you, I think we, we, we've chatted and we think, you know, you could climb the Matterhorn. And he's like, what, really? I was like, yeah, 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 look, have a look at this. Come to see. Yeah, and he was he was up for it. And, you know, a young actor, and he thinks, you know, you know you've got to think a young actor thinks, well, hang on, that's quite an impressive thing on my CV to say, mm. you know, I actually did above and beyond what was required, i.e. just saying lines and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah, you know, I mean, I would say, you know, I mean, the flipping the guides were out there they they referred to freddie as a climber as a mountaineer they said he's a proper climber you know he's he's built for it he's got really good moves he's you know he's, he's, he's yeah he was amazing oh i mean watching like him in this because i i'd watch i watched the first season of um oh god what's it winks the fate uh, the winks saga yeah yeah which, you know, I mean, it's young adult. It's, it's not really made for me, right? <laughs> watching yeah. him do this just blew me away, right? Because you, yeah. you watch those young adult things, like, you know, there's so many of them, Maze Hunter, Hunter, Hunger Games, and, you know, people doing all stuff that's obviously CGI and all of that. And, you know, the acting is good and all of that. But when you see someone do those sorts of feats, in summit fever that that makes you go okay well, yeah no he, yeah he, he he was we put him in some amazing amazing but i mean gosh some of the stuff we shot at night at the end when he was in the ice cave and you can see all the breath coming off them and not, this is not digital breath or a they, they were just you know i mean a lot of that nighttime stuff at the end was shot in temperatures of beyond minus 10 and you know it was yeah it was it was uh you know very uh it was a very physically challenging role, and he, yeah, he took to it like a duck to water. He really did, you know. He's, he's, you know, if you want to make an action movie, put Freddie in it because he'll, he'd do anything, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you know, the James Bond rolls up for grabs. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I thought. I mean, I personally think he's a little bit young for it, but I mean, gosh, you know, give him put put ten years on him, and then yeah, 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 I think he'd be up there. He'd be a good choice, you know. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, as you said, look, that, having this on the resume, just knowing someone did that start, I, I imagine any director, you know, would be like, yeah, no, I want that person on my shoot, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. No, and he was a trooper. He was a trooper. And, you know, he he, he believed in me and he believed in what I wanted to do and he, he, he embraced it, you know, and a lot of actors wouldn't do that. And he did. And I am eternally grateful to him for that. Yeah, no, you got you got your crew, your people to do some crazy stuff, man. Which well, is... you know, I, I wouldn't do anything. I would, I wouldn't ask people to do anything. I wouldn't sort of either do myself or, or guides. Wise, I mean, I did. Um, yeah, you know, as I said, you know, I, I, you know, I wanted to get up to these crazy places and shoot and do these wonderful adventures. You know, I climbed the Matterhorn with him. 
I stood there side by side with him. I mean, I, I have to say, if someone says, you know, what's the most extraordinary location you've ever shot or film set? And I'd say, oh, the summit of the Matterhorn at 14,692 feet, and it's only a foot wide. You know, and you've got 4,000 foot that way and 4,000 foot that way as a drop, and we're here, you know? And uh, that, that, was, that, was, that was a location to shoot in, I can tell you, you know? I can look watching that scene when they're on top of the mountain and it's just like, hey, like it makes you feel a little nervous. But reading the production notes and you, you, you going, oh, yeah, and there's a drop that side and the drop is like, Jeez. yeah, no, it's, it's, it, yeah, but it, you know, it, it's worth it. It looks, it looks, it, it's worth its weight in gold. It looks, it looks as, as good as anything, I think, you know. Mm. No, yeah. de definitely, definitely. <laughs> Where do you go from here, though, Julian? Uh, where do I go from here? That's a very, very interesting question that I don't have an answer for. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I have a, a couple of scripts in the pipeline now and a couple of movies and some television work. Um, you know, I might take a break from the mountains for a little bit, but we'll be back. Um, you know, we'll be back. You know, I, sort of, I see Summit Fever as part two of my, I see it as an unofficial sequel to A Lonely Place to Die. So I see it as sort of part two of my mountain trilogy. So I will be back. Right. Maybe not with the next movie, but I'll definitely be back. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, definitely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, if it's anything like this, boy, I cannot. Yeah, definitely can't wait to um, watch it. And I guess, you know, doing A, a Lonely Place to Die taught you so much about you know the the shots you need and everything like that so like yeah. doing stomach fever like you know was there a lot of kind of things that you learn in the shoot and and you know new ways to get shots and stuff um it's you know everything's achievable it all you know you know kevin it all starts with a pen and a bit of paper you know and you draw, draw the shot design the shot you want and then talk to people about how you're going to achieve it you know, could I achieve it hanging off here or could we do, you know, and, and, you know, and it depends whether, you know, you can achieve everything in a computer or you can achieve subtle green screen effects. You can, you can do some little bit. Sometimes it's just a case of enhancing something that's already there or, you know, so, so it's, um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, you know, yeah, I've put myself through the ringer. I don't know if I'll ever have such a physically tough film to make again you know you know as i said I, you know I'm, I'm you know even you know working on a sci-fi script you know and you know i'm i'm, I'm doing a, a sci-fi movie uh down the line and, and you actually think it's going to be a lot more expensive but it's not going to be as tough as being you know on the side of the north face of the eiger with questionable weather it's, it's not going to be like that you know, it's a controlled environment. You're indoors or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it might be a bit more time consuming, but, well, yeah. So it's an interesting one. Mm, mm. Like, are there, you know, genre films which you think to yourself, I'd like to do, you know, my take on that or I'd like to have a little play in that field or is it just... Yeah, yes, but if I say it now, somebody will nab my idea. Yeah. I know how it is. No, I know how it is. And then you go, oh, no, why did I? Yeah. So, so watch this space, Kevin, and then we'll have another chat down the line about, you know, my next movie because it's been very fun talking to you. So we'll, we'll do this again. You know, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, yeah, definitely.
Okay, man. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate that. And yeah, no, I honestly was blown away by oh, you know, you. just those ele these elements in the film. Like the only thing I was a little skeptical about, and uh, you know, I will say it, it was just like you know them falling in love in a week, which Michael does address where <laughs> in the bar. You know what I mean? But the you know that, that well, you know, it's it's one of the you know it's it's it, you can you can you can call it youth, you can call it the power of youth, but you know it's 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 that it's that holiday romance, isn't it? Yeah. It's not. It's, you yeah. know, you call it love, but what else do you call it at that age? Mm. You know, you know, and actually, you know, one could argue actually you've a lot. There's probably a lot of people that have had probably some of the most intense romances over the course of a couple of weeks. Than over a ten-year marriage, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, and that—that—that's the simple truth, you know. Um, you know, so um, you know, I mean, what's his line? I fell in love with you, you know. He says it. She acknowledges it with a smile. She doesn't reciprocate it. It's um, you know, I've definitely when I was younger, I know how strong my feelings were. Now mm. I'm old. Now, now we're old and cynical, Kevin. I think right. that, oh, yeah. anyway, that's it. Yeah. I, I yeah, think but, that if I was younger, you know, you'd be like, yeah. But this is it, you know, this is it, you know, don't, you know, this is it, you know, sometimes you've got to stop, you know, we have to stop these middle-aged sort of, you know, armchair mountaineers, you know, sort of sit there and say, oh, you know, would somebody, you know, have that strong feelings to somebody in a week? Fuck, man, you have that strong feelings to somebody in 24 hours. You know, you can, you know, absolutely, you know, I mean, God, you know, you know, yes, of course. But yes, I mean, we cynically just say, oh, it's a holiday romance. It doesn't mean anything. But it's always somebody that wasn't in love and didn't experience the holiday romance that says that. You know, because mm. I think we have, we, you know, we have very, very, very intense, very intense feelings when we're that age. You know, you yeah. know, just, just that, you know, and, and I mean, my parents married when my mother was 18 and my father was 21. You know, and they, they had this intense feeling to each other and, and they remained married for 50 years, you know? So, you know, but, but you know, my, my point being is that, you know, um, I think we can be very cynical mm. about you, youthful love. And I actually think in some ways it's a lot purer and a lot less convoluted and a lot less compromised than, 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 than love as we get older, you know? That that would be an interesting point of putting it, you know. Yeah, no, I, th there's definitely less baggage. Oh you know? fuck and, yeah! And I think, yeah, yeah. like as you get older, I think it's like sometimes you look at it as like the degrees of love, right? Because I think yeah, there's more than just love, right? That that early stage love, which you might call love, right? But it's like it can get deeper, you know. What I mean, it can just be surface level. There's like I think mean, you kind of, you know, I think as I've got older, I kind of, I look at it in these different ways. So, yeah, you know, you're definitely right. I'm a cynical old. I mean, I mean, I, I will also say that the, um, <laughs> I will also say that the actor, Freddie Thorpe and the actress Matilda Wanier, I mean, they met each other and within an hour of meeting, they were, they fell for each other, hundred percent. They were. They had the most intense romance during the course of us filming. 
you know, so there is, there's, there's, there's definitely a chemistry between them because there was a chemistry between them. And in a way I was like, well, that's good. That, that helps us, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, if they like each other and they're all, you know, but the, you know, they, they, you know, they, you know, they, you know, they, uh, yeah, they had these, you know, they, they were very intense and incredibly passionate in, you know, me and, you know, my, you know, my 58 year old first AD Simon, and we're sitting there chatting away and we got a million other things to do and blah, blah, blah. And we don't have time. We're too busy making a film to think about that level of, passion and love we got, we're gonna be up early we've got too many fucking shots to do we're gonna get up the mountain and the weather forecast is shit and then the car's broken down and blah 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 blah. we got too much to worry about but you know you know that that as, as we were saying that that youthful less baggaged you know do we call it love do we call it infatuation we call it infatuation when we're older but you'd never say i felt infatuated with you yeah. You wouldn't say that. You feel, you say what you feel, which is, I fell in love with you, you know. I did. Yeah. It felt like love. You know, it, what is this feeling? It, it feels like love. That's, you know, and, I've, and, and we have to remind ourselves when we write that stuff and when we experience that stuff, you know, I had some very intense feelings when I was a 17-year-old, you know, a 16-year-old or an 18-year-old, a 22-year-old, whatever it is. You know, I, I don't know. I find love was a lot simpler and a lot more easy to understand at that age than than as as one gets older you know mm. and because then also when you have children i think love becomes a completely different thing because you can't you know you're you know your 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 children become everything and they they become they become everything that you protect all so much of your heart goes into that that i i god i kind of it's it's just it's just it all changes you know you know and that's not a bad thing it just adapts and evolves and changes mm, but this yeah. film was this film was very much about what i call young love and yeah you know and young love is over as quickly as it becomes and yes you know you have a big cry about it and you move on um but that's not unrealistic that's that's you know yeah however heartbroken she is at the end you know i'm sure isabel in five or ten years time will be wandering around with two or three beautiful children somewhere in Paris doing something with somebody else who's one, you know, and so, you know, we all move on. We have these passionate periods in our life and we, and we move on and we, you know, we've all got these interesting stories, love stories, all sorts, you know, in our lives. And, and that, that youth, I just don't want to be cynical about youth. I guess it's a very long winded way of saying it, Kevin. I don't want to be cynical about youth because, you know, yeah, you know about 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 being in love when one when we're young because it's Christ, it's such a strong emotion, and we're so young, and we're so not. Nobody trained us how to feel, you know. Nobody, nobody, nobody tried to prepare us how you're going to feel aged eighteen or seventeen or nineteen, and and it's different, you know. And so, you know, you know, if he says he fell in love with her in a week, a week and a half, two weeks, I buy it, you know, you know. Yeah, as I say, you know, you know. Does, does Mr. Keyboard Warrior in, you know, Arkansas buy it? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Hey, you know, the, the emotion on the screen, though, that feels palpable. You know what I mean? And, and those scenes between these characters, between um, uh, Luke? Luke and Natasha? Luke. 
Oh, hang on, Leo, Leo, Leo. Yes, Leo yeah. played by, yeah. by Ryan yeah. Philippi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All these relations, they do feel like they do feel. Yeah, like they've got a lot of charm, and they had a they had a lot of feel, and they actually bonded really well as a as a group. They all they were all very fond of each other. You know, Ryan, Hannah, Freddie, uh, Michelle, uh, uh, Mathilde, uh, Teo, Christine, who plays Rudy. They were all very fond of one another. They were they were a tight knit group, and they were they were they were really um, yeah. They gave you know they were really just they were nice to be, you know they, they gave each other all the strength and yeah they created a good bond and I I felt that bond you know pointing a camera at them you know absolutely. Mm. No, that's great, man. But yeah, look, the, the people that say it looks fake, they're foolish because you know <laughs> I I bought all of that shit. No, there was a, there was only one review that said it looked fake, but I just couldn't get it out of my head, you know. And I was just it was like, just shut up, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you know what? You know, we'll, we'll take him up to the top of Mont Blanc in a storm, and you know, <laughs> that, that, and, uh, that, that, that's we'll, we'll give him a sleeping bag, and we'll pick him up in the morning and see how he feels, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. no, this has been um, a, a great. This has been a great. Um, I'm still here, but I've lost you. I'm. I'm going to say goodbye, and I'll try and hack back in. Oh well, yeah, computer crash, but. That was incredible chat with um, Julian. Oh, hold on, hold on. I, my computer just crashed. I had no clue that. Oh. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I was able to link back in to say pr a proper goodbye. You know, because otherwise I'd be really gutted if we'd just been just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, what the? No, 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 no. I, I was there on screen going, hello, hello. But it doesn't matter because... <laughs> It doesn't matter because we got we got I, I got I got you back on, Kevin. It's been really really great talking to you. Yeah, and, that, and now that, I'm going to make some chicken nuggets for the kids. Ah, yes. After, after yeah. the movie, they definitely appreciate <laughs> that. But just yeah. tell people how they can follow you before I, I let you go. Oh uh, yes, uh, I'm on Instagram, so please find me. Uh, yeah, Julian.Gilby on Instagram, um, or or on on Facebook as well. But yeah, please please uh, give me a follow. I'm I'm uh, yeah doing lots of fun things and um yeah i hope you enjoyed our conversation with the very lovely kevin here and uh yeah kevin to be continued we shall do this again awesome man i look forward to it and yeah all the success with the film it oh thank you you, you feel you feel the adrenaline man you do feel it it was great so kevin well to you and everyone involved kevin thank you very much indeed you take 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 great care of yourself i'll speak to you in due course thank you good luck with everything Hi, man. You too. Thank you, my friend. Bye. Okay, people. So that is the end of part two. But we ain't done yet. We ain't done. So in part three, we look at new film 
Pounder from Tommy Bolden. So you do not want to miss that. And remember part one, again, listen to that. Check out the film. So, um, yeah, you don't want to miss part one either. So, um, yeah, we'll see you in part three, right? And, uh, yeah, enjoy that. All right, see you in a second.